uh, are very pleased that we get to report to you about our trip to Africa. And um, so the three of us are going to be talking at different points. Um, and so, um, and, we, and we also have some slides. And we had some, uh, I don't know, some problems with uh, some of the video slides. And so I hope it all works out for you. But if it doesn't, that's fine. Um, most of them that we're showing are not videos anyway, so that works out. But um, anyway, so we want to report on everything that, that uh, went on in Africa, what the Lord did, and uh, what he might be calling us to in the future. And so um, that's where we are now. Before we get started, why don't I pray for us? And then Sarah's going to speak for a little bit, and then uh, Karen, and then I will um, sometime after that too. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we get to be here together this morning. Thank you for your work in our lives and uh, for all the things that we prayed for earlier. We give you thanks and we do pray that you would continue to bless our nation and our community. And I pray that you would use us in blessing our nation and our community. I pray that we would be um, uh, bearers of the gospel to people around us, uh, near and far. Father, thank you that we get to be together freely. We're not afraid this morning. And uh, we have joined together openly to uh, open your word, to pray together, to sing songs to you, to gather together in your name, and we're not afraid. And so we thank you for that, and we praise you. That is not always the case, has not always been the case, and will not always be the case in this world. But uh, right now we give you thanks. And Father, as we get to uh, share about some of the things that you did in Africa, we do ask that you would uh, be honored in this time and ask that we would be attentive to your call in our lives and, uh, and to give thanks for the things that you have done and even the things that we didn't know about and we'll learn about even this time. So Father, we love you and we trust you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Sarah's going to speak to us for about 15-ish minutes, so Karen and I are going to go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> so the clock is ticking. So the slides should just run, and hopefully they'll be there long enough that you can look at the slide and still hear what I have to say. Um, two words really describe my memories of this trip, and they are, but God. It's a phrase that we see in Scripture when God intervenes to bring about his own purposes for his own glory, but God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ. My heart and my flesh fail, but God is the strength of my life. And Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Life in Africa is pretty harsh. Um, and we had many experiences that confirmed that in which we saw it. Um, more than one mother told us that her children would not eat if she didn't sell something in the marketplace that day. It was hard to see. It was hard to see people picking through the dumps to find, um, I don't know, maybe things to sell, maybe things that had been discarded that they could use. It was hard to see those things. But God was in Africa. He was there before we got there, and he was preparing hearts for what was to come. He had a plan um, to bless and to strengthen and to encourage the people there. And he had a plan to use us, weak, foolish, courageless people. He had a plan to use us. We arrived in Africa a little worse for wear. <laughs> Many of you know we got stuck overnight in D.C. Um, we did have a good night's rest. There's a but God. It was great. Um, and then we headed out for the night that never ended. <laughs> it just went on and on and on, and it seemed like a really, it was not, it didn't feel like a 24-hour day for sure. Um, we arrived at our hotel in Burundi about 3.30 in the morning. We grabbed a couple of hours of sleep, a shower, which we sorely needed, and got up, grabbed some breakfast and lots of coffee, and it was time to go to the conference. Our first day <laughs> on two hours of sleep, and Karen was sick. <laughs> she was supposed to teach the whole morning. And she um, sent a message, and I went to her room and stood at the door, and she said, I can't go. And you know if Karen couldn't go, she was really sick. And she said, would you? And I'm like, sure. <sighs> and I walked away thinking, what did I just agree to? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was... It was God. I agreed to do what God said. 
and I agreed to do that when, um, when you sent us. I agreed to do what God said. And so we just moved in. We had prepared, right? Now, my lessons were prepared based on what Karen was supposed to teach for three hours that morning. Um, and I was using a method that was unfamiliar to me and, uh, and it was really unfamiliar to the women of Burundi. Um, speaking through an interpreter, which I'd only ever done once in my life before. And there were cultural issues. We had no idea what to expect when we got to, to, um, to the conference site. Uh, we came with a schedule, and we came with a plan to teach. But God had a plan to be in charge. <laughs> he had a plan to knit hearts and to build relationships and to demonstrate his power and his love and his unity through weak vessels. It was a rough morning. <laughs> and I don't mind telling you, I stood there and dripped sweat the entire time. <laughs> but God saw us through and lunchtime finally arrived. And I kind of stepped aside to get some instructions for dismissing for lunch. And uh, Sue came up and she said, these women need to pray together. I said, okay. And she said, no, these women need to pray together now. I said, okay. And next thing I know, she's in the middle of this room of women giving these instructions, pairing them up and giving them instructions to pray for one another. And within minutes, that entire room was filled with prayer. It was incredible. It was incredible. We'd had a tough morning. They'd asked the hardest questions. None of it I had prepared for. They asked doctrinal issues, and all I could think was, God, I've got to point them to your word. And thanks to teammates who helped um, with scripture references and things, we were able to do that. But it was tough. And we were confronting even some doctrinal things within the church that have caused division. And it was hard. (laughs) But God had a bigger plan than just us. And in the middle of all that prayer, All we could do was stand and praise him. And they finished prayer, and Sue didn't let them go. (laughs) She brought us all together for a group hug. And if you've never experienced one of Sue's group hugs, you have missed out. I just have to tell you that. (laughs) You have missed out. I hope the video works this morning, and you'll get to see. Um, Those women loved it. They loved it because God was in the business of, of working in their hearts and he was building his church through this. Um, that continued all week long. We got a little more rest, but I don't know that we were ever totally rested. Um, but relationships continued to build. The teaching continued. And I wouldn't say it was on schedule <laughs> at all. The schedule was a mess, but it worked. Karen got well. She came and did her sessions and And the teaching went well. Um, But there were distinct times of relationship building. One of those, you saw a picture up there of a woman putting on lipstick. One of the ladies came up and patted Sue on the leg and and motioned like this and and was saying something. And Sue said, I don't understand. And she kept doing this. And she finally grabbed a mirror and did this and and put the mirror in front of Sue and pointed at her lips. And I said, Sue, what's in your pocket? she said, my lipstick. I said, that's what she wants. And so she got out her lipstick. And as soon as it came out of Sue's pocket, it was out of her hand and open. And they were putting on her lipstick and it got passed all the way around the room. And there were about 10 million pictures taken that day too. Um, We just had a good time. And then you saw me in the head wrap. Danelle, who was there with with, um, Sue, had asked one of the women if she could put her head wrap on her and and so she did that, and there was lots of laughter and fun, and, um, and then our interpreter grabbed me, and they put it on me too. And it was just God built relationships through the teaching of the word, through the movement of his Holy Spirit, through difficult conversations, through laughter, through tears, through music. So many ways God built up the body of Christ. These were women who came in with a heavy burden, and God began to lift that burden And it was amazing to watch. The Holy Spirit moved in ways I will never forget. If you all were Africans, you would not have been standing so still during worship. (laughs) You would have been drumming on the seat in front of you, and you would have been dancing in the aisles. And they tried to teach us to dance in um, Rhonda, but that didn't work so well. I'm white. I have no rhythm. Um, But... (laughs) 
it was it was amazing to watch their worship and their total devotion to God. It didn't matter when they came in. Women came from work. They came from getting kids off to school. So they came when they could. And, and often we started with about a third of the group. And, um, and then they would trickle in over the course of the morning. And when they came in, they would sit down. And no matter what was going on around them, they bowed their heads. And they focused their hearts and minds before God to receive what he had for them. And, and then they were on. And they were all there. It was, it was amazing to watch God work in their lives. We went with a plan, but God came with a purpose. He came with a purpose to, to change lives. And I think he did that. And to build relationships, because we don't see this as a one-time thing. This wasn't a one-time shot. Um, the ladies in Burundi said, tell the believers at home. Tell them Philippians 3.20. And it says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, tell them that we wait together. We are one in Christ. You came teaching of Jesus and how he calls us to live in love and unity, but you didn't just teach us, you showed us. (laughs) They said, you're each so different. Our team was so different. Really different personalities, different styles. But God put us together, and they noticed that. They saw that. They said, you came, and you didn't teach us. You showed us. You're all so different, and yet you served with love and unity towards one another. That wasn't us. That was God. Praise God. We had prepared as individuals, and we each had our own little part in the schedule. (laughs) But God took all of our preparations, and he put us together in a way we never could have planned to accomplish a work we never could have imagined in the hearts of Africans who were ready to receive from his word. They were hungry. And it could not have happened, but God moved on you to send a team. And we were the blessed recipients of that. And we're blessed to be able to be here and share that with you and pray that um, that the next one's going to be even better. Because maybe God will call you to go. Whatever your circumstance. Maybe you're thinking that can't happen. But God. Are you willing to let him fill in the blank? Thank you for being a part of this. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you and to serve the Africans in this way. Appreciate it. I think, is, I don't think the video is going to play, is it? Sue usually does a group hug three times. That was not enough. I think... Okay, well, three times into the center was not enough. We had to do it five, and then they still weren't done. <laughs> so it was it was an amazing time. Um, I think Karen's going to come and share with us now. Good morning. I first want to thank all of you for your wonderful support for our team that enabled us to go. For those of you who gave towards Bibles and scholarships, um, I'll just say at the beginning, we had 36 women in Burundi and 48 in Rwanda, and we were able to give every single woman a Bible. So thank you very, very much. I thought you might like to know what we taught. Um, I mean, you gave gave a lot of money and put your trust in us. And so these are the, this was the schedule, and they all got taught, but not in this specific order. (laughs) So um, the second day when I finally got there, 
one thing I did notice, which was exactly what Sarah said, these women were carrying heavy burdens, very heavy burdens. They uh, were worried about um, how to feed their children. Would their children be able to go to school this year? Because children in Africa have to be sponsored to go to school. So there's a lot of programs over there about sponsoring children. Um, but what was wonderful, even the second day that I noticed, was every time we went through a lesson, they seemed to be sitting up straighter, singing louder, smiling to each other. And that continued to grow the whole week that we were with them. I spoke on who is Jesus. I went through the prophecies, not all of them, there's way too many, in the Old Testament that led to his birth, his life, why he came, his death, burial, and resurrection. I taught them about prophecies of the Lord's relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Um, we moved on to why, also why is Jesus the only acceptable payment for our sins? So these were heavy issues that um, we covered. The reason we did this is when I went, remember last May I went, and the pastor's wife that I talked to then said, we're not even sure the women in our churches are saved. So we really wanted to ground them in the truth that this is God's word. Everything in God's word happens exactly as he said. This is a big issue there because they have, Pastors in Africa who are calling themselves prophets, and they are really false teachers. So we really hit hard that you do not add to Scripture. God's word is complete, has everything that you need. Sarah shared about what must I do to be saved. She did a great study um, and a lesson on the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus, Matthew and the Apostle Paul all very different individuals who had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Then we talked about how, do, how does knowing all this affect our lives as believers? What is the blessing in this life of being a believer? Uh, Leslie, the gal with the shortest hair there uh, in front of Brennan, um, she spoke on the assurance of our salvation. That's a tremendous blessing. There's a lot of denominations out there that do not believe in eternal security. Thank God. I think it's biblical and I believe it because I know I can't do anything to affect my salvation. Only Jesus Christ can. And he saved me once for all. Sue gave a great lesson on what God's word has come to mean to her. So the blessing of God's word. She was able to share part of her testimony and her loss of Jim in just a wonderful way. And God really used that. And she was able to really convey her love for the comfort and the direction and the hope that we find in scripture. We moved on to God's presence. So I gave a lengthy uh lesson on the holy spirit there's a lot of confusion over there about the holy spirit because they believe in a lot of spiritism and they believe in evil spirits so it was important for me to cover that issue that god is or that the holy spirit is a person he's the one that convicts us of our sins initially he's the one who indwells us he's the one who is in us wherever we go danelle or i also spoke on worship and that worship is more than just the worship team up here. It's everything about the service is worship. Um, for them, there's such an emphasis on the dancing and singing. Uh, the very first church I went to over there, it was a four-and-a-half-hour service. And all it was was dancing and singing. And then the pastors would get up. They even ran and jumped off the podium. So, Woody, if you want to do that one Sunday or Brendan, that would be exciting. And, but they're screaming just a few words in a microphone, and that's their service. So we talked about the importance of hearing God's word in worship. I talked about personal worship, reading our Bibles on our own, listening to music, praying. All of those things are worship. 
Danelle, who was the brunette up here, um, kept us laughing, but Janelle did an excellent lesson on encouraging and edifying the body. And she brought pictures of her own Bible study group, big pictures, and she showed them. And she told these women's stories to the women there. So they saw that, yes, women in America have big trials too. And then each woman had written something on the back of her picture to share with the women there. That gave them a very visual picture of what a Bible study looks like. Oh, you mean you just sit in a circle and you share your lives and you study the Bible and you pray for each other. That was something very foreign to them. So that was very exciting. Um, Sarah gave another lesson on what we're supposed to do as believers. We talked about that. We need to proclaim the gospel. We're commanded to do that. I'm always amazed at how many people don't know how to share the gospel. And if you don't know how to share the gospel, please let me know because I would love to teach you how to do it. And this is just knowing basic truths from Scripture that you can share. It doesn't mean you have to do it the way I do it. You don't have to do it the way child evangelism does it. But you have to know what needs to be said. So we worked on that. We also took the salvation bracelets. Nobody's mentioned that. I forgot about that. All of a sudden it popped in my head, which is totally God because at my age, not much pops in your head anymore. (laughs) So we gave them the salvation bracelets, which are like the wordless book. And we made all those at Georgia Cavanaugh's house, which is great. Thank you, Georgia. And um, we showed them how to use that as a tool um, in sharing the gospel with their children. Or with their neighbors. So we gave them something practical to take home. We talked about discipling others who did a lesson on, um, she used Titus 2 in the idea of spiritual mothering. We're supposed to disciple. That's a good place for women to start. But even in that passage in Titus 2, the older men are to teach the younger men. It's not just the women. Um, So that's a good thing. We closed it with, I spoke on servanthood as a platform for ministry. I chose that because we are all called to be ministers. It's not just Woody or Brennan or the people that are up front. We're all called to minister in the body. It's not a um, suggestion. It's a command to serve in the body. Every uh, believer is responsible to do that. Um, There's a lot of ways we do that. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If you're born again, you have spiritual gifts, one or more. Um, We also talked about the humility of being a servant. Over there, they, they either have very humble, wonderful men teaching them, or they have these prophets up front um, who are demanding obedience. He's demand, demanding obedience from them. He's telling them what they have to do. Uh, we have a new African uh, a pastor who has a doctorate in education that's from Nigeria. And I just share something he said, and I didn't believe him. But he said, I've seen churches in Nigeria that if the pastor says, go out and eat the grass, the people will go out and eat the grass. A lot of these people are uneducated and they're being used and abused um, by people who call themselves uh, pastors and ministers of the gospel. I want to share, too, my feelings about um, both places. In Burundi, I felt that heaviness, as I said. But I felt this other, you know, you could just feel the Holy Spirit working all week. They just came in, every day they came in happier. And every day, I mean, they were literally writing down everything that we said. Everything that we said. It was amazing because they're so hungry for the word of God. Now, before I left for this trip, God put on my heart that I needed somehow to raise money for Bibles. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Everybody at Item who we went with 
said, oh, we, we, we can't even buy the pastor's Bibles. You're, you're never going to be able to, to um, raise the money for Bibles. And I could not let it go. It was like a, I thought, I'm not being stubborn. I really believe this is from God. We need to give these women Bibles. So the last day in Burundi, I'm already crying. <laughs> the last day in Burundi, we were finishing everything up. And it had been such a wonderful week. And we had boxes behind us, kind of like a whiteboard. And when I brought out that first Bible, women fell on the ground crying to have a Bible. Some were jumping up and singing and dancing. Some were just hugging each other and crying. You help me give everyone a Bible. Thank you for doing that. I asked God, and I think I talked with this with Chris. He said, how can I pray for you? I said, I just want to see God do something amazing. Well, after they all got their Bibles, they made us come up front because they wanted to do something for us. And they're still back there just celebrating, holding their Bibles, showing each other their Bibles. And then they started singing again. And what happened, and this is the only way I can explain it, and this is not some voodoo thing. Um, we felt this wave from those women and it came all the way up the front and every one of us felt it it was just like the holy spirit was there he was partying with us and it just was like a huge wave of joy such incredible joy i can't explain it and you're a part of that you're a part of that rwanda Oh, I said it wrong. Rhonda, um, the women were uh, more educated. They did not have such difficult issues. They had more moral issues um, that hit us there, which was something I didn't know or understand. Oh, these are two guys I met my first trip who happened to be at the same guest house we were again. <laughs> so those were there. Um, I don't just, you know grab two men to take a picture it's not my nature so um anyway um what i didn't know and i don't even think item knew this but um a lot of the re- uh, marriages are still arranged and so when sue had talked out of titus too she lucked out because they didn't ask her they asked me later when i was up front but how do i submit to a man who brings home his children from other women for me to raise. And I said, what? (laughs) And evidently, there's almost this polygamist kind of attitude um, going on in Africa where if you're not happy in your marriage, the man feels he can just go live with another woman and then another woman and another woman. But then if those women can't feed the kids or take care of the kids... The husband trots all these kids home and expects his legal wife to raise them. Now, I dare you to try to answer that question. How do I submit to a husband like this? There are a lot of issues that uh, need taken care of. I was, uh, of course, I was very sick the first day, which wasn't fun. But um, I was thrilled that the women were so receptive of us. They just, I mean, they loved on us before they, you know, we didn't even open our mouth. And they were hugging us and thanking us for coming. Um, I want to share, too, that many of the pastors that were around while we were doing this, uh, which I think was a real compliment to our team, 
said, you taught the word of God to the women. And they've never had this before. And they will never forget this. You helped pay for women to come. Many of them stayed overnight in places. They got a, a tea that was like a brunch and then dinner every night. And they had a place to stay. And you were a part of that. Um, I loved the ladies that went with me. Uh, Sarah's right. We were all very different. Yet we made a strong team. So God always knows what he's doing. Even when we plan other things, <laughs> he steps in and does it right. But the blessing is that he uses us to do it right. I challenge you, you don't have to have an answer for every question you're asked when you're on the mission field. You can say, let's go to the word. Let's look it up. Let's see what we can find. Just like we do here. And you may think you have nothing to offer, but you all have everything to offer just by showing up. Just showing up. That's, that speaks volumes to the African believers. So um, I'm going to leave it there. I'm just going to say thank you again. Um, it was an amazing, amazing trip. Um, we, I'll share a couple other things. I have a couple of minutes. Um, we have, uh, they took us to a zoo, which FEMA would have had, or whoever does that animal stuff, they would have been horrified. But saw a bunch of crocodiles, uh, some apes that were very interested in Sue. They loved her. They were waving at her and motioning for her to come over and see them. Um, so that was fun, except uh, everybody got grossed out when they brought out a guinea pig and held it for the uh, – it was a live guinea pig, that's why. So it was squealing. <laughs> and then they fed the crocodile with that, which was – I watched the whole thing. I watch a lot of nature shows. I thought it was great. <laughs> so thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your support. And, and hopefully we will take another team next October. They're expecting us. So start praying now. Thank you. So on the screen there, you have uh, our interpreter, who's the man from Burundi, and then Dan Packer is um, the white man there. He, he and I taught together, and he's a, a very experienced pastor, and he has a larger family than I do. He has 10 kids. I was like, wow, that's cool. And so um, anyway, he's, he works, uh, um, he teaches with, with ITEM, uh, International Training and Equipping Ministries, and he has been to Africa, I think this is his fifth time, his ninth country. And so, um, anyway, I was kind of the newbie and, and I got to uh, teach with him. We were in, um, the first country, Burundi, we were, wh while the women's conference was going on next door, we were doing a pastor's conference, uh, together. He and I were teaching it. We taught about 18 or 20 hours through the course of the week and through an interpreter. And so I, I apologized. I felt bad for the interpreter because he was having to talk all the time and I was tired from doing half of the teaching and he did all of the teaching and he said are you kidding me i love this because I, I get to hear god's word and uh and and he was just amazed by that and he was very humbled by that so he himself was an encouragement to us uh, so we had about 45 pastors there and these were men ranging i i asked questions it's probably culturally inappropriate but i asked him anyway who was the youngest and he was 22 years old who was the oldest and he was like 67 i think was the oldest and uh and all places in between they were from burundi there was one from um tanzania at, at least one from congo and so they were all kind of uh, there together and uh so it was it was powerful to be able to teach them and the, the the things we were teaching were not obscure or hard to find it was it was pretty basic teaching we taught um, I, I taught an overview of the Old Testament in one hour. Can you imagine me? <laughs> as long as I like to talk for one hour, I, I got to cover the whole Old Testament. And then I got to have another hour for the New Testament. So that, that was fine. And um, I, we taught, so we taught very basic stuff like that. We talked about what's the role of the church. 
how is a church to be structured? And so we, we talked about that and uh, from, from Ephesians chapter 4. We talked about what is um, the call to ministry. What's the pastor's call? What's the pastor's responsibility? What are the qualifications of a pastor, an elder? We talked about those sorts of things. And uh, they, they, uh, it was the first time they had heard a lot of this stuff, or first time they, they had been taught it. Uh, they have Bibles. Um, the, the, the men have Bibles, at least as far as I could tell, everyone had one and they read them, but they've never been taught. And so when we talked to the theology of Romans, that was brand new information for them. And, and the, the theology of Ephesians covered both of those in one hour. Also, uh, the theology of Ephesians, which meant I got to talk very, uh, specifically and in depth about the gospel. That's really what the theology of Ephesians and Romans is about. And so, um, got to talk about that. And uh, they were, I, I, I was kind of wondering how they were receiving it. They were kind and they were gracious and everything. And after the first day or after the second day, I was kind of thinking, you know, this is, this is pretty basic stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's, I hope it's helpful. And they came up and they said, no, you have got to come back. This teaching is so powerful. You must teach us more. We haven't heard this stuff before. And uh, so the, these were the pastors telling us these things. And so they, they don't have training. They don't have access to training like we do. And, and I think about our congregation. I think about how blessed we are. You know, I, I, could, I could ask for a show of hands or I know that there are numbers of us, many of us who have gone to Christian schools, not even just the, the you know, not just Woody and, and me. You expect that of the pastors. But many of you have gone and have degrees in Bible or have gone to Bible school and things like that. Your level of education on these topics is, is well beyond what is the level of education for these pastors. And so um, that was that was uh, a very great need that uh, that we experienced over there is the lack of training. We had to, you know when you go to school you pay money you leave you go somewhere and live and and uh, that all costs a lot of money takes a lot of time and things like that and those are not really possibilities for the vast majority particularly of Burundian pastors and even in in Rwanda there are educational opportunities but they cost money and so how how is the average pastor going to going to pay for that and so they don't and uh, so they just they pastor without it and there's a very real um, temptation and and uh, and Karen talked about this particularly there's a very real temptation amongst the pastors who are dirt poor and they're married and they have kids and and they may eat every other day that is kind of a normal consideration for them in life are they going to get to eat today or not uh, because of their chosen profession, because they've gone, you know, they've decided to be pastors. And, um, and so then they look down the road at the Prosperity Gospel Church, and the pastor drives a real fancy car and makes a lot of money. You know, of the, of the top ten richest pastors in the world, five of them live in Africa. And so the, the prosperity gospel is booming. And so this poor pastor with his people he's preaching to, and he's poor as a church mouse and his people are, and they look down the street and they see the prosperity gospel and they see where, wow, that guy's driving that kind of car and, and you have these other things going on. That's a real temptation. And so we address those issues with them on the prosperity gospel. We address the issues of, of apostles and prophets in modern day and things like that, because that's, that's where the rubber meets the road in their lives. And uh, they see their own suffering in comparison with the opulence of many around them, and uh, and it causes them concern. So that that was the pastors' conference, 45 men, and uh, and it was it was very encouraging. And we we of course taught in English, and it was translated into Kirundi, which is the language in, in Burundi, and um, and then we would see people whispering to each other, and we thought, man, these people are rude. They're just talking while we're you know teaching. They were interpreting into another language. For the person next to them, because the people from Congo, they might speak French or um, or uh, Swahili, but they don't don't necessarily speak Karundi. So it was being translated on the fly by their buddy. You know, this stuff was going on around the room, and so it was a pretty pretty fascinating experience. And uh, I really uh, grew to love these men and appreciated them. And um, they faced some challenges in their own lives. They faced challenges in their own in their own hearts and their own sin nature and cultural things that are going on that need to be addressed. Um, uh, domestic violence is, is normal, apparently, in, in that context. And we didn't know that beforehand and found that out while we were there. And we're not really equipped to deal with it well on the fly. Like Karen said, I dare you to a- answer some of those questions on the fly. It's very difficult. 
And so that's something that, uh, that, that we face going forward in that situation. On both Saturdays, so that the first week we were there, we got in a day late, but the first week we were there, we were in Burundi. And, uh, and then the women's conference, pastors' conference were going on during the week. And on the Saturday, we had a youth conference. And so if you can imagine, this, the church was slightly bigger than, than this set of pews right here, just slightly bigger than that set of pews. And we fit 140 little kids in there sitting in chairs, two to a chair. And um, they were they were excited and and we we sang with them. We watched them sing, really, because we didn't speak their language and don't have the rhythm that they do anyway. And so we we sang with them and we did some stories and we tried to play some games and there was no really room to play games. But we did it anyway. Unfortunately, nobody was hurt badly that we know of. And um, we preached the gospel to them. We shared some testimonies with them and did some things like that. And uh and then we did the same thing a week later in Rwanda when we were in Kigali and uh, did the same thing and about the same number of kids, just a, a much larger environment. Their, their, their auditorium is probably about the same size as ours or about this. And so we had a lot more room, but same number of kids. And, um, and I was kind of wondering because it was chaos. All this stuff was going on and it was chaos. And I thought, you know, if, if the youth group back at Parkside saw this kind of chaos, they'd, you know, they'd complain and, you know, Pastor Woody would get on to me and like, this would be a real problem. And, and I was kind of wondering how things were going because it was so, it's so hard to organize games for 140 kids who don't speak your language. How are you going to do that? And we did the best we could and it was terrible and they loved it. One of, one of the dads came to me, the, actually he was the interpreter, he's a pastor and he was, he, he had his two children there and he said, these children will never forget this. They will remember this for the rest of their lives. And I thought, wow, you know, they, they, they're not used to having events geared towards them. And we spoke to them and we addressed them and we preached the gospel to them and we, and, and they were impacted by it. And so though it was chaos to us and I thought, ah, kind of blew this one. I probably should have done this better. And, and they loved it. They just loved it. And so we had snowball fights and all kinds of stuff because I had these squishy white balls. And so I explained to them snow and that we do snowball fights and they had a blast. And then it got a little violent, so we had to stop that. <laughs> but um, it was, it was a, a great opportunity and it, was, uh, it had, it had a, a large impact on me. And, um, and so uh, aside from the, the conversation that Karen's talking about here, I, I was asked also to come back and speak. Uh, and I was asked by the by the men there in in uh, Burundi to come back and speak, and then and then officially Dan asked me if if I would go back, and so um, I'll be returning to speak there in at the end of March, and we'll do uh, one conference in Rwanda the end of March, and then we'll do another conference in Burundi the next week. And there are a couple men from the congregation here who are praying about going with me, and um, I, I'm not quite sure what their responsibilities will be yet, but we're praying about that. We'll see uh, what the Lord has. But um, but it's an exciting opportunity, and it it uh, really kind of continues that relationship that that uh, the Lord laid on Karen's heart back in May about um, relationship developing between us and and the church there, and so um, uh, that's an exciting opportunity. Just a, a couple of quick lessons from that that I want to talk about just for a moment. Um, that we have a wealth of training here. The the depth of Bible knowledge in this room is amazing. And, and would be a great asset in any one of those churches, in any one of the pastors of those churches. Because of the level of training that, uh, that many of us have had, uh, the teaching that we've been exposed to, and frankly, even if you've not yet been exposed to, to that kind of training and you don't want to pay to go off, you can find it online for free, quality education uh, on biblical topics that we have access to here, and they don't even have access to that. And so it was, it was filling a need that was powerful to me because I, I love to study, I love to teach, and it went into that context where they were just starving for this information. And it wasn't like some, some deep, you know, hard to find. It was, it was the Bible, and it was the gospel, and it was basic, and they just sucked it up because they loved it. They're not used to hearing that. So that was powerful. Uh, another one is that different cultures have their own blind spots. Talk about the uh, the domestic abuse and, and things like that going on in that culture, um, even even within um, you know maybe some pastors' families and things like that was very disturbing, and and didn't you know doesn't really come up on their radar as as a sin that needs to be dealt with, and so there are, there are blind spots in each culture, and so that kind of made me wonder what our blind spots are, what you know if if one of those pastors came and taught here for a while and ministered to us, what would he come away thinking, man those. Those Nevadans, they really, you know, there's this thing, this huge thing they need to deal with. So I wonder what our blind spots are. 
And thirdly, God has his people all over the world. It was amazing to go and meet like-minded brothers in Christ who look very different, sound very different, have entirely different backgrounds, very different life experiences. And there was a commonality of the gospel, a commonality of being children of God that was, that was amazing to me and was, was compelling. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry I can't um, ex- uh, uh, give more energy and stuff with my, with my voice. I, I, I was deeply moved by this. And uh, it was a powerful experience, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in connection between this church and, and the things, uh, the ministries there in Burundi and in Rwanda. And so um, I just have trouble conveying that with my voice right now the way it is, but this is powerful to me. I, I want to close just the last few minutes um, turning to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, I'm just going to read verses 3 through 6. Paul speaking to the church at Philippi, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so just some quick observations I want to make in light of this passage. We thank God for you for supporting us to send us over there, for entrusting us with, uh, with that mission, for sending us, for supporting us, for praying for us, for being willing to let us go, for being desirous and encouraging to us that we should go over there. And so we thank God for you. And we prayed for you while we were there. And, uh, and, and so we, we praise the Lord for Parkside Bible Fellowship. Secondly, we recognize how blessed that we are at Parkside. And uh, uh, many of you, very many of you serve in different capacities to make things, make ministries work here at Parkside. And, uh, and you're, you teach and you're able to teach and you're able to, 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 to walk alongside leadership and bless the congregation here. And so we are a blessed congregation as a result of that. And we recognize that particularly when we've, when we've seen uh, congregations that, uh, that lack the kind of training and depth of, uh, of leadership that we have here. So praise the Lord uh, for that. And we, uh, we thank God for you. Thirdly, you gladly partnered with us in the gospel. You supported us. You gave money. You prayed for us. You encouraged us to go. You, uh, you helped us along the way. And uh, um, you paid so that we could go across the world to Africa. And so your investment helped to bring the gospel there. The gospel was already there, and God was already there, and he's already at work there. But, but we got to proclaim the truth of the gospel in, in as clear a way as we possibly could. To kids and to women and to men, we got to proclaim the gospel. We got to live it before them. And, uh, and your investment and your support made that possible. So we thank God for you. These, these men and these women, and, and they, they were strengthened because of the ministry of Parkside sending us there. They were strengthened in the gospel. And so because of that, their churches were strengthened with the gospel. And so that was made possible by you guys. And so we thank God for you because uh, you gave and you prayed to make that happen. And further, we are praying about how this work in Africa is to continue. What's it going to look like? What is this connection between us and them supposed to look like? We don't have that all nailed down. Um, but it, it started as, as a, uh, an idea in Karen's mind, a thought back in May, um, then kind of became ours in October, uh, that, that we long to see a connection between Parkside and ministering in these areas. And so we ask that you would pray with us as we see what, how the Lord's going to carry this to completion, how he's going to further develop uh, this relationship. We heard again and again from men and from women that you, you have to come back and you have to continue teaching us because this teaching is so powerful. And it was just the word of God that we were teaching and it is powerful and they want that. And so uh, we, we want to take that to them. So pray with us, please pray, pray about what God would have for us. What he, what he wants us to do. He says, I am sure of this. Paul does that. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And so we, we praise the Lord for you guys. We praise the Lord for what he did in Africa. And we look forward to seeing what he's going to do in the future. And so I ask that, that the team would come up uh, with me and we'll, uh, I'm going to pray on behalf of our team for you. And so Sue and Sarah and Karen, if you guys would come on up, I'd appreciate that. Uh, what a great privilege we had. What an opportunity that we had. And uh, we loved being able to serve in that capacity. And it wasn't always, you know, you look at the pictures and the pictures look relatively clean and, uh, and fun. And it, it, it was relatively clean and it was relatively fun and it was sometimes very difficult. 
And so um, we uh, survived. The Lord blessed us, and he, uh, he provided for us, and he used you in doing that. Thank you for praying for us while we were there. And uh, I want to uh, lead us in prayer, and actually on behalf of all of us, we want to say thank you. And, uh, and so we praise God for you. Together we praise God for you. And our other two teammates are in Oregon. They couldn't obviously be here today, but, um, but they were a blessing also. So I want to lead us in prayer, and I want to ask God's blessing on the ministries there in Africa and, uh, and, and on you. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we rejoice that you chose to use such uh, um, broken instruments um, as us, that we are clay pots and weak, and you chose us and you sent us and you used us there, uh, sometimes in spite of ourselves, and, uh, um, but you used us and you, you worked gospel work in uh, Burundi and in Rwanda um, because you chose to. And so we praise you that we got to be involved in that. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for the ministry of Parkside in our lives, supporting, uh, giving money so that we could go, giving encouragement so that we could go, praying while we were there and on our way and concerned for us. And, uh, and so we thank you and we praise you for that expression of love for us and, and uh, really love for you. And I pray uh, as we go forward that this would grow more and more into a relationship between us and, uh, and the church there in Burundi and Rwanda. Lord, we look forward to what you have and how can we encourage and how can we invest in ways that are, um, that are kingdom-wise. And we, uh, we, we desire that. And so, Father, we, we trust you and we look, for you, look to you for that. Thank you for these women who uh, uh, put up with me on this trip and we, um, we uh, were a good team together. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to love one another even now. I pray that, uh, that even when times are easy, that we would love each other with the love of Christ. And when times are hard, that we would love each other with the love of Christ. Help us. Uh, help us all as a congregation to love one another that way. Give us, um, uh, give us a vision of what you would have us do there in Africa. And we ask for your blessing on those churches and on those pastors and their families and, and those kids who heard the gospel. Pray that the gospel would be um, growing and, and spreading in those two countries, that the kingdom would be strengthened, that uh, your blessing would be evident, that you at work would be evident, that, uh, that people would turn to you, that Jesus would be lifted up and that all men would turn to him. So, Father, we do pray these, pray these things, and, and uh, we love you, and we thank you, and we thank you even that we get to, to um, give a report to the congregation here. Father, we, um, we love you, and we thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Amen and amen. God bless you, and you are dismissed.